Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Suda Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Corinthians 15, which reads, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ in the firstfruits, then at the coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people being baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as it is right, and do not go sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it as a body as he's chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for stars differ from stars in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. 
What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Wow, 1 Corinthians 15 has so much good content in it. It's so hard to just pick one thing to focus on out of all that Paul addresses here to the church at Corinth. But I think that we'll start with what he shows us to be the most important truth that we believe in, the concept of the resurrection. And so he must be responding to some people that are saying that there is no resurrection. And he wants them to know that if they say there's no resurrection, even Jesus hasn't risen from the grave. And if that hasn't happened, then there's really no reason to be a Christian. Because what is the importance of the resurrection? It's everything. If Jesus did not claim victory over death, he has nothing to offer us. In talking with students a lot, I like to tell them the importance of possessing something before you can offer it to others. For example, if I was to tell you I want to give you a million dollars, you might be excited for a minute, uh, and maybe even less than a minute, because you'll realize real fast, number one, I don't have a million dollars. And if I had a million dollars, probably you might not be the one person that I would give it to you. So it's hard for you to think and actually believe that I would give you a million dollars if I had it. Let alone if I said, hey, I want to give you a million dollars. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to bless everyone I know with that much money, but it actually just means that I physically am incapable of doing that. And so if Jesus has not claimed victory over sin and death, how can he offer that to others? He must first possess it before he is able to give it to others. And so Paul talks about many of the visible facts that can be demonstrated to show that Jesus truly was risen from the grave. He's speaking about eyewitnesses, over 500 of them, who are able to talk about the reality of the resurrection. 
And undoubtedly, there were many rumors that Jesus did not rise from the dead. We look back in the Gospels and we see how the Romans wanted to start a rumor that they had actually just stolen his body. And so as we think about those types of things, it's very important for Paul to address this because these Corinthian believers might have heard such things. And they might say, well, it's really hard for us to believe things about the resurrection. And then they have all these questions about what it's like. Hey, what will our bodies look like? How does that work? And he gives some images and some pictures to display the importance of what's happening there. But he wants them to understand that the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus is primary to the Christian faith. If they don't have the validity of those things, there is really no point in believing in Christianity. Because what does Jesus have to offer? What can he give to us if he hasn't done what we are principally asking him to do for us? If he hasn't restored our relationship to God? If he hasn't brought us back into the ability to have communion with him? If he hasn't covered our sins so that we can stand before a holy God, what is it that he has done for us? And so Paul addresses this crucial reality that the church is struggling with in this moment so that they can be assured of the resurrection and so that they can look forward to those fruits in their own life. As far as a question from this passage, there's many different questions that could come up. There's many different things that we would be able to dive into a little bit deeper. But I want to look at one of the quotes that we see here. In verse 32, it says, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, we might be tempted to think that this must be a phrase that is being said in the church at Corinth and something that he's reacting to in terms of, hey, we're acting like this, we're living like this because we don't believe in the resurrection. But when we look into this, this is actually a quotation from Isaiah 22, 13. And so this is a quotation from a historical fact in Israel, a time in which they were dealing with the hopelessness that came because of the sin that was around them. And so when we think about this quote, what it's saying is, hey, if there's really nothing that's going to matter in life, if it really doesn't have a purpose, if there's no resurrection, as Paul is speaking to here, then they are going to say, hey, let's just do whatever we want because we'll die tomorrow and it won't really matter. And so unfortunately, we have many people today living out that lifestyle. Whether or not they're willing to say it, they're saying, hey, I want to live my life to the fullest now because there's really no consequence to my actions. There's really no reason for me to believe because they don't believe there's going to be any consequence for their actions. And that's unfortunate as we know that God will judge sin for what it is. And the penalty of sin is death. And so these people that are living this way are actually putting themselves in great danger because of the fact that they're denying the work of God in their life. And so Paul does not want the Corinthian church to become like that. He does not want them to be living for no purpose. And if this belief that the resurrection is not real continues to proliferate through their midst, it's going to do that type of thing. And Paul reminds them in the next part of the verse, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. It's a lot easier for the things around us to pull us down than it is for us to be in a situation where we're the only one doing the right thing, trying to pull everyone else up. It's much easier to be brought down to the level of the base desires than it is to pull people up 
alone from those things. And so Paul reminds them of this, that this defeatist mindset that life doesn't matter is dangerous and has no place in the church. And so as we started this today, we did say that there are so many different things we could look at. There are so many questions that come out in this passage. You might be saying, hey, let's talk about being baptized for the dead. You might be talking about, hey, what's this whole thing with the trumpets and the things that are happening there? I encourage you to look into those. Study God's word. Whatever the question is, maybe it's not even one of those. Maybe it's a question about the image of the resurrection or the way in which he's explaining those things. Whatever it is that God has placed on your heart that you have a question about, Take that question, use the tools, use the people in your life, use the opportunity that you have to sharpen one another, to collectively grow in your understanding of what God's word seeks to communicate to you so that you are able to be built up, to be useful to God in the extension of his kingdom today. Know today you are loved. You're-